Finance Planning Meeting. Um, I'll start with a few notices. Uh, can everybody ensure that their mobile phones are turned off, please? Doubly sure. Um, there's no fire drills planned, so if there is an alarm, please everybody gather on the grass at the front of the building. Um, I have no apologies for absence today, although we are a member down, I've just noticed. Okay, that's fine. Um, moving on, uh, declarations of interest. Councillor Freeman. Town Council. Councillor Fairhurst. Town Council. Okay, fine, noted. Same one, sorry. No, no, different. I'm not on that one. Makes a change. Go on. <laughs> um, um, item number three, I, I am acquainted with the agent, but will not withdraw from that. Okay, duly noted. Minutes of previous meetings, can I sign that off as a true record? Okay, thank you. So done. And with that, we will move on to the first item of today, which is uh, the land to the south of School Road at Molehill Green, UTT 180529, Outline Planning Consent. And Mr McAvoy, <coughs> to take us through it, please. Oh, excuse me. Peter, when you're ready. Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon. This is an outline planning application um, with all matters reserved um, except for access layout and scale. For the erection of eight houses, they would be four sets of semis. Um, currently, the site is an open field in the CPZ, sorry, the countryside protection zone. Um, the applicants. Um, uh, plan at the moment is illustrative, um, but it would be a sort of general what I would call countryside uh, design up to a maximum height of around about seven and a half metres. Um, the recommendation is for approval. Thank you, Mr. McAvoy. We have one speaker, Mr. Weaver, the agent. Yes, if you press the button in the middle, we will all hear you. Three minutes. You have three minutes, Mr Weaver. My name is Tony Weaver. I'm the agent for the applicant. For the applicant, Mr Carr, who, who is now a man of mature years, rather like myself, was born and brought up in Molehill Green and lived in a house adjacent to the site owned by his parents, which is now, it's now been demolished and redeveloped. He's been rather saddened by the demise of Molehill Green over the years following the activities of BAA and their purchase of many of the houses in Molehill Green and letting them on short-term lets. He feels that uh, this is an opportunity to redress the balance and possibly help to regenerate the village with a number of modest dwellings suitable for young families which he hopes will take up the dwellings eventually and he is sure that this will help the village in the long term. The village is very well served by public transport both to and from the airport and beyond. It's also well served by school transport to Takeley, Elsenham and to Stansted Senior School and he feels that this is a an opportunity which shouldn't be missed and uh, we look forward to a favourable outcome. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Mr Weaver. We have no other speakers, so uh, I'll throw it open to the committee. Gentlemen and lady. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I will not be voting for this application because uh, it is in the countryside protection zone and this, this was a policy that this council fought for and it is in the new local plan as it is in the old local plan so it's obviously thought that it is quite an important policy and I think once we start building in the countryside protection zone then that policy flies out of the window so uh, for no other reason than I think it's wrong uh, and I think it would stand up at appeal I will not be voting for this Thank you. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I would tend to support um, Councillor Lachlan on the question of the CPZ. Um, it is quite important to us. We've taken it very seriously. Um, the densities we discussed at today's visit is not excessive, um, but this is still an outline application, and things could get worse after that um, once you've established that access is possible. So looking at that today, and looking at the access, it struck me that it wasn't that accessible after all. It's very clear, very near a very busy road, and there's no footpath from there to the road. There is a bus, but as we heard today, the bus itself is, is not a regular thing that links you directly to the nearest. I understand there's a pub nearby, but no shops or schools. So if you move in there for eight, into your eight houses, you better not have children, because they're not going to get anywhere. So the question is sustainability. Um, and on the question of sustainability, I just simply think that we've got a question of balance of, of, of options here. Are we actually topically local to things, or are we in the middle of the countryside? And my feeling today was we're in the middle of the countryside. This is not sustainable. So, in fact, I propose to reject this. I'm going to listen to a few other people before I take that, if that's okay. Anybody else? At this stage, Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. Just a, a clarification on this. Is it definitively within this... The, the countryside protection zone um, in that um, it looks as though it's sandwiched between existing developments and so um, I, I would just like complete, clarif complete technical clarification okay. on that. Uh, Mr Brown or Peter, yeah. Um, you're right on both counts. Um, it is in the CPZ but you're right it is sandwiched as an infill plot almost. Um, there is prop um, development to the left and right and also um, on the opposite side of the road, um, behind the site, you do have open countryside. Um, I don't think that's very helpful, but yeah, there well, you no, go. And so, and so the CPZ is a strange shape, and just, but yeah, I can, I've, I've got the map here, so I can, I can see what, what you're saying, even though it looks like a bit of scrub attached to the CPZ. Yeah, thank you. Okay, uh, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I tend to think that um, it is, as <coughs> Councillor Lodge remarked, um, it fits the, to, to put houses on this plot fits in with the locality in the terms of neighbouring properties on the same side and other side of the road. Um, it's an infill to a certain extent and also it seems to me it's a rare occasion that we get someone who's interested in building um, modestly sized houses that younger people have a chance of affording and uh, so um, on the whole I think that the uh, question of the CPZ should not come into effect here and that it sh we, we should um, um, approve this application. 
Okay, thank you. Councillor Riles? Uh, I tend to agree with Councillor Hicks here. I mean, let's, it, we're not talking about 300 houses going in here. Um, it is an infill spot. Um, I'm not sure I'd like to live there with the planes going over, overhead, but at least it does provide um, two-bedroom accommodation um, and, and eight, uh, you know, four houses. Um, my only concern is if we approve this as an outline, uh, I'm not sure what uh, control we can have of those properties staying as two-bedroom properties. So maybe you can help me out, Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. Yeah. All, you're, all you are approving, if members approve this today, is eight dwellings. Um, so we can't guarantee they're, they're, not, they're going to remain two-bedroom dwellings. But the site is constrained in terms, of, in terms of developing this site with eight dwellings, whether it's with three or four bedrooms. It's whether or not that amount could be fitted on there, which, again, would become part of the reserve matters application later on. Um, they've indicated two bedrooms simply because that is what could probably fit on the site. It's not going to be a tight fit. It's just in terms of the eight two-bedroom dwellings on that site would be able to accommodate it quite easily with associated park and associated residential garden, you know, the garden land. Um, it doesn't stop them coming in if they come up with a scheme for a mix of twos and threes, for instance, but that, again, would be in our gift at the reserve matters stage. Um, so that's, that's all I'm going to say. Members are just approving eight dwellings today. Uh, and um, with, with the, I think it's the access committee, isn't it, and nothing else? Yes, yeah, so, so the, you're just approving eight dwellings. Okay. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you for letting me come back on that. I think it's important to stress that. All we're agreeing here is access and eight units. It's completely possible, and in fact, we don't get a second chance at this. If they come back with eight units of five-bedroom houses that can fit on the site, we don't have a second guess at this. This is access. This is unreserved matters. It's for that reason I'm saying I'm not supporting this process. Just for clarification, it would come back to us. Yes, it will. Well, even if you, sorry, even if you, even if, okay, if we had an application for eight two-bedroom houses as a detailed application, that would have to come here. So any, you know, this is only half the decision, you know, we have approving eight. So if someone comes in with eight, however, however many, that would still come in as a reserve matters application, which will find its way to committee in the same way as this one has. So we do get a second bite, and you'll be able to consider whether that's overdevelopment, etc. Councillor Lachlan. Well, thank you for allowing me to come back. Um, can I just quote um, Policy SA, which is the Countryside Protection Zone, which is in the local plan, and as I said, we'll be going forward into the new local plan. And it says, uh, in the Countryside Protection Zone, planning permission will only be granted for development that is required to be there or is appropriate to a rural area. There will be a strict control on new development. In particular, development will, be not, will not be permitted if either of the following apply. And then it goes on about new buildings, and it would adversely uh, affect the open countryside. I can't stress enough how important the uh, policies are that surround the airport. We're going to have a new application coming in soon, and I'm sure that the Countryside Protection Zone will be quoted left, right and centre, and rightly so. It's a, it's a policy that this council fought for to protect our countryside around the airport so it didn't coalesce. And I think once we start allowing this, we, I know every application has to be taken on its merits, 
but we could start a precedent and you would find somebody else coming along and saying, well, they were four there in the countryside protection zone. Something happened before in the countryside protection zone and, and got approved, and this is the second application. So, uh, you know, we either have a policy that stops us building in that zone or we don't, and I feel quite strongly about this policy. So, uh, you know, I am happy to propose refusal. Okay, anybody else before I take that further? Councillor Chambers. Just to say, Mr Chairman, <clears throat> I totally agree with Councillor Lachlan. We fought hard and long for a, a CPZ. And if you start to break it like that, you will have to eventually, you'll have to allow permission everywhere. So I shall not be voting for this application. Okay, uh, if everybody's had their say... Um, it's very rarely that I disagree with you, Janice. No, it's but not. On, on this, no, that's true. <laughs> but on this occasion, I think, uh, I think that the development of the village as it stands at the moment, I think the development's already there. And I think that under your own classification that you read out, I think this is sort of perhaps development in a rural area that is appropriate rather than inappropriate. Um, and I also think that coalescence is already there. It's a community and we've got a gap in it. And therefore, I don't personally see that providing eight small two-bed houses, uh, I think it meets a local need. We've got to build more houses. So uh, I'm more in favour of it than you are on this occasion. Okay, um, I have a proposal for a refusal. Does that find a seconder, taking things in order before? Yeah, I've got a proposal from you. Are you seconding it, Janice? Yes, I second it. Right. Can I just clarify the refusal reason? Um, we can do this. We can do this. Um, um, it's just the S8, obviously, because it's a country prize. Can I also suggest you add say, S7 S7. to it as well? So it's yes. S7 and S8. Yes, please. I have a proposal and I have a seconder. So all those in favour of refusing this application, please show. One, two, three, four. OK. Uh, in that case... No, 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 you need to also take... I know. Yeah. OK. <coughs> no, you need to vote for those opposed to the resolution. Yeah, all right. All of those opposed to the resolution to refuse. No, Kip. One, two, three, four, five. You can't vote twice. I, I, I mean... <laughs> okay, six are against that, so that proposal is refused. Um, I'm happy to propose from the chair. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Riles is seconding. Okay, all those in favour, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six. That item is passed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr McAvoy. Uh, okay, moving on to... UTT 180834, a full application in Newport at Charlotte's Meadow. Luke Mills to take us through the application. Luke, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located at the northern end of White Ditch Lane in Newport and comprises a largely undeveloped parcel of land containing only a small dilapidated concrete structure. It's shown just here on the, the drawing. 
The application is for planning permission to demolish the existing structure and erect two detached houses with cart lodges off a shared driveway which would utilise the existing point of access from White Ditch Lane. Shown here. The houses would have a traditional design, including plain tiles, rendered walls, and a brick plinth. While the cart lodges would be finished in plain tiles and weatherboarding, also with a brick plinth. As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered, and it is recommended that planning permission be granted. Thank you, Luke. Um, we have uh, three speakers. Um, Terry, uh, yeah, I just thought to say for the record, Terry Farthing has joined us as a substitute. So, Terry, if you come over here, because you're in the public speaking chair. Not that you knew that. I mean, I don't know what we do with these novices. Yeah, dear. Okay, you're fine. Uh, okay, uh, we'd like to start with Councillor Neil Hargreaves. Yes, Judy can go first if you like. We'll flip the order around. Judy, you have three minutes. Hello, I'm Judy Emanuel. I'm speaking on behalf of Newport Parish Council. White Ditch Lane is a single track dead end byway with no lighting, footpaths or drainage and has a double blind bend. This makes access on the lane for vehicles, pedestrians and horses extremely hazardous. At the last census in 2011 there were 12 houses on the lane. Permission has since been given for 67 additional houses in 14 separate developments, only one property of which has been completed. There has been no phasing imposed so all works are in progress concurrently rather than sequentially. This is having a huge impact on existing residents and on the condition of the lane. The quantity of construction traffic has destroyed verges, ditches, the road surface and is severely disrupting residents on a daily basis, as you witnessed at this morning's site visit. The impact of the development on the lane has been sufficiently severe to warrant several recent meetings between Newport Parish Council, Howard Rolfe and Nigel Brown from UDC, developers and representatives from Essex Highways, the most recent of which was on the 13th of June. The outcome of this meeting was a 10-point plan from Essex Highways to address the problems in the short term by ensuring that the road surface is repaired sufficiently to allow safe passage and to try and push developers to complete passing bays as soon as possible. In the longer term, it is planned that a cumulative impact assessment is completed to assess capacity of the lane and to set a cut-off point for future development, further development. Sorry. I have copies of the plan if you'd like to see it. There is a known flood risk at the bottom of the lane and the only access point on the junction with Berrywater Lane and School Lane. In addition, drainage on the lane is largely non-existent. There's an informal collection of ditches and culverts, no clear discharge point, and the five drains that are in situ at the bottom of the lane have been blocked for years because Essex Highways does not clear drains on byways. White Ditch Lane is unusual. If an application for 67 houses as a single development had been made for this lane, I have no doubt that it would have been turned down. Unfortunately, due to the fragmented nature of the applications, they have been approved on a case-by-case -case basis. That is not a situation that can continue. It is not sustainable in the face of the known problems on the lane. To improve this application would be to knowingly make a bad situation worse. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Councillor Hargreaves. And you have five minutes, Councillor. Yeah. 
At uh, last month's Council meeting, members approved the recommendation that the Regulation 19 local plan is now a material consideration to be used um, in uh, planning applications. That is in accordance with MPPF paragraph 216, which says from the day of publication, decision takers may give weight to relevant policies in emerging plans. According to the stage of preparation of the plan, we're now at the final stage, so that's looking reasonable, and the extent to which there are unresolved objections to relevant policies. Uh, as far as this site is concerned, I can see no unresolved objections to relevant policies. It is outside of Newport development limits, and there are no objections to the Newport limits. Um, so the relevant policy in Reg 19 is SP10, which will replace policy S7. Uh, SP10 says development will only be permitted in the countryside for agriculture, horticulture, forestry, uh, outdoor recreation uses, or things which need to be in the countryside. So it's a good, strong policy. Paragraph 216 also gives weight, incorporates giving weight to emerging neighbourhood plans. Uh, these plans only have one consultation, and we've completed that. We're now into the next stage. This site is also not supported in the neighbourhood plan. Um, the Reg 19 approval also alters the way we calculate our five-year housing supply. Uh, and as at April 2017, we had a 5.85-year supply. Uh, the current figure is not yet ready, so 5.85 is what we have. This means that the 2005 plan limit is also strong and valid. So conclusion here is five-year supply, valid adopted plan to emerging plans carrying weight, and therefore there's no actual sort of compulsion to approve this application. Certainly no urgent need for two big houses extra in Newport. So why should you refuse it? The main issue is White Ditch Lane. Um, but just first a word on air quality. Since the nearby application for 150 houses were refused on air quality, we've got more um, pollution readings. And these exactly confirm the projections and calculations we presented at that meeting, actually slightly worse. White Ditch Lane is a dead end. So all the traffic to and from these houses must go through the pollution zone and environmental health of just this, this month putting more monitoring points. So we've got a problem. I know it's only two houses, but the MPPF is clear. It says you must consider cumulative impact. And cumulative impact is what has been such a disaster on White Ditch Lane. Twelve houses became 79 houses by permitting one at a time, two at a time, 15 at a time. And it has been accepted by UDC officers, Essex officers, councillors and parish to district to Howard Rolfe and residents the whole thing here on White Ditch Lane has it's been a total planning cock-up. Um, sorry. Apart from two passing places, none of these 60-yard permissions contributed anything to improve the lane. Um, a single, it's a single-track, dead-end byway with no footway, no lighting, and it's just not suitable for the scale of development already permitted. And these ones will be right at the end, so the traffic from them would impact everything along the lane. Um, of course, there's also a safety issue to consider. Vehicles are blocking the lane on a regular basis, not just construction ones. It's, there's no gas supply, so oil tankers go up there, dustbin lorry. An example, it's dry at present. I just recommend not having a fire up there. So what we're looking for here, please, I know it's only two houses, but 
Essex Highways now agreed a 10-point sort of list of things to do to try and resolve the issues there. One of them is to get this cumulative impact survey done. Please now can we put a hold on further development on, on White Ditch Lane until the full cumulative impact of existing commissions uh, is assessed. So relevant policies, I think, are Gen 1 on access and safety, ENV3 on pollution, S3, S7, as you know, Reg 19, SP10, and the neighbourhood plan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor. Um, and now we have the agent, Rachel Moses. Rachel, you have an equivalent amount of time, so eight minutes? Eight minutes in total. I know you won't need that. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chair. Um, I'm a local architect who's lived and worked in the Saffron Walden area for the last 25 years. My husband and I also lived in Newport when we were first married. Our aim is a little different to regular property developers. It is to partner with people to help provide property solutions on a human level that are in balance with the site, neighbouring properties and surroundings. In this instance, we are partnering, partnering with a young mum called Charlotte, who was born and grew up in the Saffron Walden area, and her husband Richard. Our scheme is to construct two four-bedroom detached houses with cart-shed garages on the site of Charlotte's Meadow at Newport. The form, style and materials of the houses echo the local Essex farmhouse style. We feel the two houses are in line with the location, size and nature of the site and are in balance with the neighbouring house at Bramblemead, built by the males. Whilst many more dwellings could be crammed onto the site, we do not feel this would be appropriate and would be of detriment to the site, the neighbouring properties, the usage and traffic on the lane. We have been working together with the planners and highways officers and adopting their advice to ensure a harmonious scheme. We have met with the owners adjacent to the site at Bramblemead and Hope Cottage to discuss the proposal and seek their valuable input. We also thank those who have given their time and local knowledge to comment on the scheme. With regard to the access to the site and safety, advice from highways on the visibility displays from the access to the byway and path has been taken and access has been amended in line with their requirements. A passing place has also been incorporated on the site in line with highways advice. An on-site hard standing area will be provided at commencement of the build to ensure vehicles can park and be unloaded on the site and not in the lane. With regard to traffic, we understand the local concern over access at the lower end of the byway regarding the much larger schemes underway. By keeping this proposal in scale with the site, surroundings and the lane, it is anticipated that there is only a very small increase in road usage on the lane, resulting from the two additional dwellings. In regard to drainage and water management, a pond has been included within the scheme to collect surface water and clean water from the drainage treatment plants and to encourage wildlife. In conclusion, we are keen to ensure that the scheme is harmonious and meets with the concerns of the local inhabitants, highways department and planners, and have amended the scheme accordingly. We hope that we will now have a scheme that is acceptable in all aspects and meets with approval, as we look forward to being able to provide accommodation that is sustainable and of value to the local community. Thank you for your time, information, advice and help. <coughs> Thank you, Rachel. 
Okay, uh, that's the last of the speakers. Thank you. Over to you, committee. Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. I, uh, I haven't been up White Digital Lane for a, a, a few months, and um, this morning I was absolutely horrified that the, um, the, the, uh, the, the scale of development that was going on. And um, I think this, this really must uh, represent one, one of the biggest planning disasters that this council has been involved in. And um, I can't. I can't find anyone to blame. I'm not, I'm not blaming offices or members at all for that, but that's the way that this has been built up over a succession of, uh, of applications. Um, and I, I, I really think that now is the time to draw the line. I think that we should take into account the, the, the cumulative effect as best, as best we can. Um, the, the lane itself is a disaster. As, as we all know, and, uh, and it's getting worse with the, with the work that's going on. Um, I know I am very conscious that Essex Highways have raised no objections, and um, at times I'm, I'm speechless about the, way, the, 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 the service and the uh, responses that we get from Essex Highways, and uh, it, it's happened again. Um, it's absolutely clear to everyone that that lane is unsuitable. Notwithstanding that, which may uh, be a subject in an appeal, we do have a number of reasons for turning that outside of that. Um, it is outside the, the development limit, so we, we know we've got SP7 or SP10, as I think it now is now. Um, it's outside of the allocation in the Oxford plan. It's outside of the very excellent neighbourhood plan, which um, has gone through with a lot of local improvement. There is the additional air quality issue, which we explored in a lot of detail at uh, the last meeting. I think we need to send out a, a, a message for any other potential developments up there that this really cannot go on. And so... Um, you may gather I feel quite strongly about this one. I would like to propose refusal. Okay, we'll put that to the side at the moment. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. <coughs> the um, Charlotte's Meadow is a delightful spot, and I would really like to live up there myself. Uh, but I'm mindful looking at it. There was a dragonfly, quite a big one, it was nice. There was a horse came and, uh, with its rider that came and went up the track. All very delightful. I'm mindful, Chairman, of um, Wallace and Gromit. There's a cartoon film uh, where there's a steam train going along at tremendous speed and Wallace and Gromit are lying, laying the track in front of it from the actual locomotive, putting down sleepers and putting down railway. And I would refer you, uh, Chairman, to the, um, page 23 of the officer's report, item 11.1, uh, which mitigates uh, the argument for uh, approval, the recommendation for approval, is that the position is adjacent to a built-up area of the village. Well, Chairman, it's only a built-up area because they've just built it up with 67 houses. It's the Wallace and Gromit phenomena. Off goes the steam train, you lay the track, you lay the, uh, the sleepers, and you chunder along with your steam train and they say, I tell you what, we've got room for another two more up here off we go and there's nothing to stop on that argument building all the way up that track why not? it's next door to the residential development we've already heard it's outside of what were town development limits it's outside of the neighbourhood plan it's heavily built up already and the road is 
probably inadequate. It's good to see all the building going ahead at once because that way you get it over and done with and then once it's all calmed down, you've got a settlement there. And then maybe we could reconsider this again. But right now, it's creeping development. It's developed by stealth, and I shall certainly not be voting in favour of this. Okay, thank you, Councillor. Anybody else? Councillor Lochlin and then Councillor Fairhurst. Well, I can't speak for past developments, and that is not what we're talking about today. We're talking about this application uh, and air quality I don't know, could I ask Mr Mills if anything has been done on air quality before I go on if, uh, on this piece of, of land or on and indeed White Ditch Lane please <coughs> Mr Brown No. Oh. alright Luke um, so oh, you, you'll see from the report we consulted with Carry on, Luke. Sorry. Yeah, sorry you'll you'll see from the report that I, uh, we consulted with environmental health. You raised no objections. Um, I mean, air quality is something that has been an issue in Newport, of course. Um, it's been looked at in detail for other applications. Um, on this one, as I say, we, we consulted with environmental health and no objections were raised on air quality or on any other issues. Right. So uh, if we were to... Sorry, he is Mr Mills. I know. So am I. It's just a coincidence. Oh. <laughs> bit surreal up here. Um, so if no objections have been raised, would it be true to say that we can't use this if we wanted to as a, a refusal reason? Yeah. And I'll ask Mr Brown, you well, are Mr Brown, aren't you Mr Brown? I wouldn't say you can't, but obviously at the moment we have no evidence from... This is the problem with the air quality issues, because at the moment we haven't got any definitive evidence they, you know, the environmental alpha putting monitoring up there are here and I didn't realise they were doing that from an air quality viewpoint but at the moment we've got no evidence by air quality ironically if this was on the back of a refusal, no we've got no hard evidence to actually because highways otherwise environmental alpha would have objected to the application but all I'm saying is if it was part of a refusal by the time we get to an appeal there might be some evidence there, I don't know but all I'm saying is we have no support for environmental health so it is always a dangerous decision to make a decision where you've got on a technical grounds where you've got no support from the expertise. Can I carry on then? Yeah. Well thank you very much for answering that. Um, yeah, when I saw this site, I mean when I read the report I actually thought oh you know I can't see anything wrong with this but when I actually saw the site uh, I thought no there is something wrong. There's something very wrong with this. Uh, and I think that policy S7 applies to this application. Um, I'm not going to talk about construction traffic because that's not a planning issue, especially on this application. The cumulative effects, I know, will count, but, and it is a narrow lane. And that would be part of the reasons why I didn't like it. But that's not the main reason. I think it is a field in the countryside. It's next to a lane that people were walking and horse riding and I as policy S7 says it doesn't need to be there and I see no reason for this application to be there so I will be voting against this Councillor Fairhurst Thank you Mr Chairman I too like Councillor Lachlan read on the paper it seemed fine to me it, was, it seemed to me even a brownfield site where a con concrete structure was going to be re removed to re and replaced with rather nice houses and then we went there and to be quite honest today 
this place is called White Ditch Lane, and to a foreigner like myself, that's rather romantic. Um, horses and dog walks and, and vast number of uncontrolled trees, and it's in the name Meadow. It's an idyllic site. It's exactly what I came to England for, um, except that it isn't, because as we drove up there today, it wasn't. It was a building site. It was very congested. It was huge. And, and, and the over, overarching question I had in my mind was, how did we, and it is us here, how did we allow this to happen? How do we take a street like White Ditch Lane and turn it into what it is today? And I'll tell you, it seems to me, after the last couple of hours, very easy. It's incremental. Bit by bit is how we did it. House by house, row by row, overtaking space by overtaking space. And at some point, you've got to get to a line and say, stop. At some, where does it end? Let's build these two houses and let's push the road another 10 feet and let's build another two houses on top of that because you know what? It's now in a built-up area. At some point, we have to ask, why would we let this happen? And I can't see a good enough reason for that. We do have evidence on air quality. We may not have scientific. I'm not a great one in science anyway, but we do have some evidence on air quality. What we know is that it kills people. We also know that it's getting worse every time we build a house. So as you can imagine from this, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to vote for this at all. I'm strongly against it, and I will certainly second the motion to, to, to turn this down. <coughs> Councillor Lodge. I'm co coming back on, on a specific point, if I may, because I don't think we're giving proper consideration to the air quality issues. Um, I'm, I, I understand what, uh, what is written in the report, but I don't think we have done a thorough enough piece of work on the effect of, of the extra traffic. Admittedly, it's only going to be maybe four or five or six cars, but each one counts. I think, that, uh, sorry, I know there are exceedances down in uh, the lower parts of Newport where this traffic will go. And I think it's particularly pertinent today that uh, a coroner's court looked yesterday at the case of a girl, I know it's not finally qualified, but he's almost certain it will be a judgment that this girl died because of air quality. I really do not think we can sweep this under the carpet today. Air quality problems are building in Newport. The 67 up that lane haven't been built yet, and yet we are heading towards what will be an annual exceedance of air quality issues at the bottom of Newport where this feeds. Um, I don't think we're getting the very best advice on this. We need to be conscious of it, and um, it really should be a further reason for uh, refusal of this application. Okay. Uh, well, before anybody else says anything, I'll have a word. Um, I take Councillor Freeman's point that actually I'm glad all the construction is coming forward together. I mean, there's a chance that in a couple of years the whole thing will be developed and the road settled down. I'm going to ask Mr Brown just to explain generally the outline of what has been discussed between Councillor Rolfe and Essex Highways, just because they are trying to put a plan in place that um, will certainly mitigate some of the issues. I'm not saying that's a reason for an approval, but I'm saying it's a good idea if we all know what's going on. <coughs> Mr Brown. It wouldn't have been a reason for approval, and I think if members were mindful to approve this application, which they may still be, it may come out that if members were mindful, then we need to put the assurances in place, because the, the impact on the site 
immediately at the moment is construction traffic. And I sit in this very chair on a monthly basis and tell you construction traffic is not an issue. Unfortunately, that doesn't wash in Whiteditch Lane because it's communitively, it has a serious impact. It's a combination of, first of all, doing a cumulative impact of the development generally along Whiteditch Lane and making that as a, as a as a piece of evidence that we can judge planning applications on going forward. Unfortunately, this application has been with us whilst that is. So, unfortunately, that pre we can't hold back because we're, we're obliged to, to, to deal with applications. The other issue is to try to ensure that the developers on the site actually contribute to the damage they've done to the road. And that doesn't include this current applicant because they're not... needs to be done on White Ditch Lane to make it fit for purpose so we can carry on and the developers themselves would be paying for that and we need to put that all in place and that will happen as well. In addition, we are also trying to bring up a terminology in terms of coming up with a proper um, approach by the developers as a group to be much more courteous in the way they operate on the site because they have been generally obnoxious to be quite honest with you on the site in the terms that they were behaved. There's one development at the very beginning in the care village which has been particularly obnoxious in terms of they are. It's not about enforcement, it's all about the need to operate properly on the site and that's something that we need to do. But that's what's happening on the ground in terms of trying to do it and you know there's been quite a lot and the parish deserve a lot of credit in terms of getting all the necessary people around the table and we have done that and we're moving on with that. In terms of dealing with this particular planning application though, I think Councillor Lodge was quite right, the, the highways issues is, is, is one issue over there and whilst, whilst we've got no support from the highway authority it might be, it, in my view it may be too late but if you are going to, I'm, I think the recommendation for approval was correct here but I do feel if you were going to challenge an application on NS7, this is probably the one you would need to be doing it on. It is as far away from the village as you can get at this moment. There is this concern that it's opening up the countryside. So if you wanted to test the water in terms of S7, in terms of way forward, you can do that. I'm not recommending you do that because the recommendation is for approval, but that's the way you can do it. Picking up Councillor Lodge's point about EM13, EMV13, it's a movable feast in terms yeah. of what's happened with air quality. It's different today from what it was yesterday, simply because of the judgment yesterday. So therefore, things are moving on, both on the ground specific to this site. Although I'm not advising you on EMV13, you know the risks that we're taking by having a technical refusal, but if members are mindful to include that, that's up to you to do that. That is sufficient if members were mindful to refuse it, I would suggest. S7. S7 okay. and the M13, but that's, that's for members to judge that one. Okay. That's why I said I would. Okay. All right. Uh, has everybody had their say? Yes? Anybody else? No? Okay. Um, I have a proposal for a refusal, and I have a seconder for that proposal. Councillor Fairhurst, you're seconding, yeah? Um, the reasons that, for your, that refusal are Councillor Lodge. S7? Yes, as we had advice, S7 and uh, the MV13, yes. You want to go with the MV13? I, I, yes. It, 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 okay. This may give me some personal grief should it come to an appeal, but it, uh, it well. notwithstanding that, okay. uh, I would like to do it, yes. <clears throat> the other thing I'd like to say, perhaps in mitigation of this committee, is that a lot of these applications have gone through at appeal rather than decisions that we made. In other words, we have turned down a lot of these and lost them at appeal. Um, I, w I was very clear to, to say that yeah, I wasn't apportioning any blame at all. I, we, are, I, we are where we are. And it's I, I understand exactly, but we are where we are, perhaps that's not of our own making. Okay, I have a proposer and a seconder for a refusal. All those in favour of refusal, please show. 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I make that. Eight in favour of refusal. In favour, sorry, against the refusal. Two. Okay. That item is refused. Thank you very much. Moving on. to UTT 180741, full application in Clavering. Uh, this is a retrospective and uh, Luke Mills will take us through it. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located off Wickham Road near Clavering and contains various structures and stored items associated with its use as an agricultural contractor's yard. The application is for planning permission to demolish two milking parlours and erect a building containing an office, store and staff room. The application has been made retrospectively and the development has been substantially completed. The building is single storey and the external finishes will consist of timber weatherboarding and a tiled roof. As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered and it is recommended that planning permission be granted. Thank you, Luke. Uh, we have one speaker, Stephanie Gill. Stephanie, I can give you five minutes as your sort of Councillor Oliver's stand-in. Uh, thank you, Chairman. I'm actually speaking on behalf of Councillor Oliver because he can't be here for personal reasons. Councillor Oliver's concerns are how this site has developed over the years and where it is going. This was an empty field. Then there was a wood milling business which was granted after uh, enforcement came into play. Recently, in the past year, caravan, caravans have been put on the site and people moved in and were living on the site and registered on the electoral roll. Uh, that was again an enforcement moving forward. Councillor Oliver question, Oliver's question is, what next? Thank you. That was very concise. Thank you. Um, okay, well, we have no other speakers, so over to the committee. Anybody, any comments? Councillor Lachlan. Uh, well, I don't actually have any problem with this per se, but the parish council have said about the working hours, and I know you don't always agree with this, Mr. Brown, but I think in this case, I think it's relevant and we should put some working hours on this because there is a potential to be annoying uh, to the neighbours. So. <clears throat> no, I have no issues with operating hours when it comes to a business operations. It's only when it comes to construction it can cause a problem. We need to propose some hours then. If members are mindful, if members are mindful to agree. Okay. Um, Councillor Fairhurst, I'll come back to that point. Perplexed, Mr Chairman. Thank you for letting me speak. Um, as you know, I don't like retrospective applications of any kind. They're counterintuitive and it's like making the law fit the people. Um, but the question I have for you is very simple. What happens if we don't approve this? If it, it, the well, potentially it can go to appeal, and that's the extent. But also the other action would be, if members are mindful to refuse it, as I say, and I've got this down to a pattern now, 
Retrospective applications are irrelevant. Just because an application is retrospective doesn't mean to say it is unacceptable. And just because it's retrospective, is it, if it is unacceptable, a member shouldn't be frightened to refuse it. Uh, but the retrospective nature shouldn't be the driving force. If members are mindful to refuse this and it is refused, then the officers will be obliged to serve an enforcement notice for it, what's currently there to be removed. Uh, that presumably would be if it was upheld, if they then appealed it and they lost it at appeal. The way we tend to operate, if this was an application that officers deemed um, inappropriate and, and it wasn't here today, and we would have taken, refusing an application needs to be doubled up with taking enforcement action. Otherwise, the appeal process can drag it on for a couple of years. So if members were mindful to refuse this today, um, we would serve an enforcement notice and the appeal process will be captured at the same time. So, so it actually saves time because we are obliged, if members are mindful, there's an inappropriate development for us to resolve the, the breach as quick as possible. Obviously, the recommendation is for approval, so that's not what we're recommending. Okay, uh, Councillor Riles and then Councillor Freeman. Uh, it may be a very dumb question, but why are we seeing this today if, um, if there is no, if you do not take any, you view the application uh, on its merits irrespective of the fact that it's a retroactive situation, it is just seems to be a relatively small development. So why is it this committee are not being dealt with under the delegated authority? It's basically come before us because Councillor Oliver has called it in, whereas it would have been dealt with as a delegated decision and wouldn't have come before us. Okay. It was a dumb question. Uh, no, not entirely. <laughs> Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> it's a curious one because... Uh, it's nice to see that the barn's been built out of vernacular materials. and uh, Also, it is a brownfield site, and that's material. Of course, eventually, it will become a brownfield site, and I'm sure this committee sometime will look at the prospect of building houses on it down the end of a long agricultural track, and it would be difficult to say no. And then if you look on the map, it's not very good on the screen, but there's a field on one side and there's a field on the other, <coughs> and doubtless they'll come forward for housing as well. Of course, once you've got um, an isthmus, of houses, uh, you're going to fill in on both sides of the, the land, you know, so there we are. Um, but that said, it's a, it's a textbook example, a textbook example of how to get one of these things done. You just do it bit by bit by bit by bit, and you put up your mobile home, and you do this and you do that, and everybody's very reasonable all the way along, and eventually you've got a brownfield site, proper one, bona fide, it's already that, and then in 10 years' time we'll have a housing site there. But that's the way of it. We don't make the laws. We don't make the rules. But it is a textbook example of how to go about it. But I, I'm in favour of this. I'm happy to vote for it. There's no point in having a building which doesn't have planning consent. If we need to have a consent, let's have consent. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Councillor Lachlan. Well, now I'm annoyed, Councillor Freeman. You cannot. That's hearsay. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I could grow a beard in 10 years' time. You don't know that. I do. So, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. You cannot say. That we have to say every application on its merits. And it would be very unfair to judge somebody by saying that 15 years down the line, there'll be, you know, there could be another new town or something there. It's just, it's I'll unacceptable. I'll immediately without reservation. No, no, no. Come on. It's unacceptable to say things like that. And it's inflammatory. Sorry. Um, but anyway, to go back to what I was going to say originally, I didn't see any, um, anything wrong with this, uh, but I would like to see the hours put on. So uh, if we could go back to that, I'd be grateful. Sorry, uh, Mr. Mills. 
Mr. Luke Mills would like to speak. I'm just going to mention something on the working hours. Uh, so the reason that no condition was recommended on this occasion is because the use is already established, so this is simply just for the construction of a building, um, in this case which would contain a store, office, staff room and kitchenette. Um, you know, the, the noisy activities that you may be concerned about on the site are likely to be happening anyway outside of this building. Um, so I just, thought, I just thought I'd elaborate on that point for you. Of course, it's your consideration as to whether you want to put a working hours condition on, but my, my reasons for not recommending it was it seemed like it wasn't really related to just this specific building. Right. Well, does that, so we can actually do it now, so if we want to. Okay, well, I would like to propose that, that we do put some uh, working hours on that. Just because we haven't done it in the past doesn't mean to say that the neighbours need to carry on being irritated. So if we could... Uh, that's, that's the difference, you see, because, uh, first of all, I can't say the neighbours have been necessarily been irritated by this, but the site is an agricultural, the whole site is an agricultural contractor's place where noisy activity takes place. Quite often it can happen outside because you're repairing agricultural machinery potentially. That will continue. And so, that, and so therefore, but this particular building is a staff building. And so from an enforcement viewpoint... If you had a noise restriction, you have to prove that the noise is coming from this building within the site. And as a staff room, I can guarantee it won't be because most of the noisy activity is happening outside, if it is happening at all. I think it is because the nature of the business can be quite noisy, but not persistent noise. If you're doing, so that's part of the problem. If you've got an individual building, if you've got an individual building on a site that's unrestricted. It's an absolute nightmare for planning enforcement to actually judge where the noise is coming from that particular building, especially where it is less likely to be coming from this building than it is from the land around it. So, so that's are you why saying, sorry, Mr. Brown, are you saying that this gentleman can plough his uh, fields or do whatever activity he does on that site at three o'clock in the morning and there won't be any comeback? I don't think that's right. No, from a planning viewpoint, no. But from an environmental health viewpoint, if they are carrying, a, and we're not getting complaints like that now. If there was complaints about activities, then that's something environmental health we're dealing with. That's the case. Whatever decisions made by members today, that will remain because we're only considering the actual building, which is a staff room. And so, therefore, to put restrictions on that building will be just literally restricting that they can't have a cup of tea at 8 o'clock in the morning rather than a cup of tea at 9 o'clock in the morning because it's staff quarters. So just for clarification, what you're saying is we can't link an hours of operation of the whole yard to just this planning application. Right. Okay. okay Clear. Okay. Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, looking at this, I can't see any reason that we can refuse it. It seems to me fairly straightforward to me. Um, and, and even, all right, I've taken Councillor Lachlan's point of view that the Parish Council have highlighted, but they've highlighted it, nothing more. So I would propose approval. Does that find a seconder? And seconded by Councillor Lemon. Um, Okay, from my point of view, I, I think that the, the mobile home has an existing use now. The yard has an existing use, authorised. Uh, this building is on the footprint of a building of the same size. I think it would be almost impossible to refuse this. So uh, all those in favour of uh, an approval, please show. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Those against? One. Okay, that item is approved. Moving on. Okay, I think Mr Brown's going to take us through this. 
it's quite a it's quite a straightforward request to be honest. This is a um, under the under the report. Unfortunately, Karen can't be here today, um, but we have the council has received a petition regarding um, of around 100, 100 names regarding the council's proposed handling of the airport planning application, specifically the public speaking. And just to recall, what, member, what we are proposing to do at the moment is, at the moment we're, we're looking at September as the potential time for Alec, the week before planning committee itself, after the report has been released, that we were going to have two planning sessions, two public speaking sessions, done in a different guise to planning committee, because it's not actually a planning committee, so it won't be necessarily chaired by the current chairman, it'll be chaired by officers, not by me, and officers, all members, will be able to hear all the consultation, all responses as a public speaking. And that will be two sessions, three-hour session in the afternoon and three sessions in the evening. All that would be captured, so members will be having a full assessment if members couldn't be there and on the day of the planning committee we would set up the normal public speaking rules what the petition is saying and I think the person's going to be speaking is that is not sufficient to capture all the public speaking requirements so we're asking for members to discuss that and to judge how you want public speaking to be captured as part of the planning application okay thank you mr. Brown we have one speaker mr. Belcher Uh, you have three minutes, Mr. Belcher, although it doesn't really apply normally, but somewhere around there would be fine. It should be a lot quicker than that, I hope. Um, yes, I really just wanted to say a few words about the origins of this uh, petition, because I've never actually launched an online petition before, so this is a first for me. This came about uh, as a result of my involvement on the, uh, the airport working group uh, at Stansted Parish Council, where we've obviously been discussing the, the planning application in some detail. And it became apparent uh, at those meetings and from those discussions that a number of people felt uh, that, as we thought at the time, that there was only one day had been allocated for public speaking. I now understand, in fact, there are two days. But even so, I would still suggest that's probably not, not enough, given, um, I think, the sort of uh, demand for public engagement that there is. So... Um, as a result of those discussions, uh, which, which, as I say, largely involved people on the parish council, but also people from other elected bodies, uh, the, the idea of a petition was floated and, and there seemed to be general support for that. Now, much of the concern was focused on the fact that this is a very significant planning application. It's not a, a minor development uh, without, without impact, as has been suggested in the application. This is also not an isolated application. It is one of a series of applications, and I've listened with interest to the talk about uh, incremental uh, applications. This is one of a series of applications uh, in which others will follow, which will also be seeking to make best use of this development if it is permitted. Prior to the announcement about the timetable changes, there was a feeling that the consultation process was being rushed and people who do not have the ability to wade through 3,000-odd pages of often quite impenetrable detail need an opportunity to say simply how it affects them. Equally, council members should hear at first hand the concerns of those affected. This is how the courts, and in particular I'm thinking here of the Lands Tribunal, which hears a lot of uh, cases of obviously highway development, but also specifically airport development. This is how the courts operate, 
and in the courts, proper weight is given to verbal evidence from witnesses, and there is an opportunity, obviously, to ask questions and to challenge. So for all of these reasons, it was felt to be a sensible idea to petition the Council for more public speaking time on the airport's planning application. Three days is regarded as a minimum, but depending on the level of demand, a longer period may be appropriate. And I would suggest that if you create the space, if you create the time for public speaking, I think you'll find there will be considerable demand. There certainly was uh, back in uh, 2005-2006 when we were looking at the application from uh, 25 million passengers per annum to 35 million passengers per annum. And I, I recollect there were people coming from Suffolk all over the, the, the local area who came to speak. So I think you'll find there would be considerable demand. And uh, that's really all I have to say. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Mr Belcher. Uh, Councillor Chambers. First of all, Mr Ch uh, Chairman, could I say that I... This is something which has got to be determined by the planning committee. Am I correct in saying that? What, this decision today about no, the public speaking? No, no, the decision on the airport... Will be planning committee, yes. It's just the planning committee, is it not? It is the planning committee's decision. Secondly, however many you decide to have, and I don't have a problem with, with how many things you, you, you want to have, it should be... All the members of the planning committee should be here to listen to all those comments. Because unless I'm wrong, if you have a normal meeting here, we sit here and we listen to the, to the comments, then we make our comments and we make a decision. If the member is not here when it starts, they are not allowed to vote. So that's another reason why I think it's got to be all the members of the committee, plus their substitutes, if they wish to, so that you will get a number there, but you must be at all the sessions. And the next point I'd like to make is, because it is the planning committee and it is taken on those rules, then you should be chairman of that committee and take the questions. The officers will be here to answer technical things or what have you, but you should actually be in the chair. Now, unless we do that the same as we do normally, then I think people could have an opportunity to question whether that is right or not. Why should we be making our own rules? Comments to start with. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, I'm all for democracy and I do believe that if people want to speak, they ought to have that right to do so. I've done two planning applications at the airport and that has been the case and I haven't changed my mind. But I'm not sure it's very fair to turn around and say that members of the committee should be here. They could be sick, they could be on holiday, it's just one of those things that haven't... I haven't finished, Councillor Chambers. Uh, uh, at the last application, we were filmed. There was a film crew here. There were people that independently filmed us. Uh, and now we also have recorded sessions. So if you can't hear it, you do have an opportunity to listen to that recording. So it isn't the, uh, you know, within the bounds of possibility that you can't hear it and you can't vote. So I think it would be very unfair to uh, put that restriction on every member of this committee. Just for clarity, I, I think what we were trying to do is have it a week before the main planning meeting, so it gave the officers an, uh, 
an opportunity to capture all the comments and have it in a written up form so we understood if somebody missed a session. The issue here is the request to a certain extent driven by the petition is that we go to a three-day hearing, if you like, of the public. So that would mean three days when members had to be in and the public obviously would be in on those times. So it's whether we need to allocate that much time. And uh, we've had a petition from 100 people. So, okay, I, I take that. Um, at the moment, we've allocated, and just for the clarification of Mr Belcher, the, the sessions were supposed to be three hours in an afternoon and then three hours in that evening. So it was a one-day session of, if you like, a one-day period with two sessions. Okay? So we would have wrapped it all up in that day. That meaning that hopefully we can make sure that everybody's there on that time. As soon as we start to stretch it to three days, we get the hit and miss effect a little bit. But that's set that aside. Um, so the question is here is whether we actually feel that we need to have three days to hear everything or whether we think we can manage it in one day or whether we look at a slight variation on that. Um, Councillor Lodge, Councillor Riles, Councillor Fairhurst. Could we perhaps build some flexibility into this? I'm, I'm conscious that for the, for, the, uh, for the plan, the local plan a couple of weeks ago, um, we didn't actually fill the, uh, the 90 minutes allocated, and, and that was a pretty big, important uh, decision. But on the flexibility point, maybe we could uh, reserve a further session should we get the applications, try to get them into the time we've allocated, but just allow a bit of flexibility for a third <coughs> session uh, should it be needed. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, we could look at it like that. We could look at it like that. I mean, my proposal is going to be that we add a morning session uh, so that we do it on the day, so that we actually add another two or three hours on the day. It's yeah, going to make it a long, long day, yeah. but basically, technically, if people are speaking for three minutes, you're going to see... You're going to see 100, and, yeah. You're going to see 60. You're going to see another 120 people potentially. So you, is my maths right? Might have gone a bit out the window there. Wind that back a little bit. We'll start that again. Three hours, 180 minutes. Divide. So another 60 people can speak. Yeah, and that will be the proposal that I'm going to perhaps put forward. Anyway, let me take uh, Councillor Riles and then Councillor Fairhurst. I just want to confirm we're not going to change the rules as regard engagement with the, uh, the, the public speakers and the officers, so there won't be any questions to be answered by the officers. Uh, and Likewise, we are not allowed to ask any questions of the public speakers. Is that correct? That's right. The whole exercise will be quite dry, I would suggest. There will be lots of people just speaking, and picking up Councillor Chambers' point, like today we've had public... OK, it's been a very small committee, but we've had public speakers, which has is, which is is generated questions from members that they also... There'll be none of that. It'll literally be listening to public speakers. We will try... But picking up Councillor Lodge's point, flexibility is what we really need, because ultimately we could be under-egging this. We could actually say that I don't think we're going to be in a position where people are going to be registering to speak on one of those sessions, and we get to the point where all the slots are fitted in for these, whether or not it's three sessions or two sessions, we're not going to turn around and say, sorry, they're all full. Um, and because that would be dangerous and that's not something that we could actually do and say, sorry, you haven't registered, you're right. What we're suggesting is that two, possibly the, the chairman's suggestion of three slots is enough to cover all those people that need to speak. But maybe the Council of Lodges issue 
when we get to the point where they... Because they obviously need to register to speak. They're not all going to rock up on the day. They're all going to have to register their right to speak on that day so we can give them a session. And when we get to the point where maybe we've under-egged it and we haven't got enough time, we're going to need to look at that and say, actually, it is a dangerous decision if we're actually preventing people from public speaking. Um, but we think we pitched it probably right with two sessions. Okay, can I just continue my, my, one of my points or questions, if you like, is the fact that, okay, say the member of the public raises something that we haven't thought of and we ask questions of the officers, which we're entitled to do. So will that not uh, increase the amount of time that's required? This is a very, very, very important planning application, as we all know, and there are, could be questions. <coughs> Mr. Brown. No, no. That's a, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. We, our assumption was that people were going to be presenting the cases. You were going to so take it in, it consider it. No. no, you're not making a decision on the day. No. No. And also, but there is a question, there is a problem that if someone is, if someone is, is sitting there in the public speaking, speaking to you and you're raising an issue and you as a councillor turn around and says, actually, I haven't thought about that, and that you do it as a question... Um, you need to be careful because you're not going to then roll on and make a decision in the next couple of three hours' time. But you are raising a question, so that's an issue. In as a straight, that's a question for members to discuss. Do we? It will lengthen the amount of process and will actually set up sessions. So that's probably picking up. I, I think it's a good point. I think you know it's something we've got to consider because then yes. it becomes a dialogue that's a little bit more meaningful. Or, or whether you call it meaningful or not, but it's, uh, yeah, no, it think, becomes a little bit two-way. I think it would be only fair, and sort of with respect to everybody involved in this, is that we do have uh, building that extra time for those scenarios. How do we structure the days, the hours? Yep. I think back-to-back -back would make sense, because then it's all fresh yeah. in your memory, yeah. as opposed to having a week's gap or a few days' gap. But how you structure it, over to you guys. Well, part of the, part of the suggestion is maybe um, if you've got the free sessions... If we end up with three sessions, if we end up with like you've got a, and then it's going to be difficult for members because obviously members now sit through all public speakers now, and you probably the first person may come up with something that you want to ask that officers a question of or raise an issue that you want a question to be answered when it goes to the committee, but you have to store them up until you've heard them. So maybe there may be question breaks during that process. Then you're not directly like. Mrs A sits there and makes yeah. a comment and you directly say, picking up Mrs A point, what do you want to do about that? We won't get the public speakers. The public speakers won't get the airtime. But if you have breaks like you have 20 speakers or however many doing a break and then you say, right, okay, we're now breaking for a, any questions that have risen there that you want officers to take away. And, uh, so on on that point then, do you, know, do you get knowledge of what the questions are going to be from the public we don't do it. Okay. We are going to... Well, they're not coming as questions in the first sorry, place. But sorry, statements. We are going to suggest to members, if they're, they don't have to, but we are going to suggest that if they're going to come forward, that they may want to give us a written transcript of what they're going to say before they say it, simply for the reason that makes it easier to capture it. And secondly, we may be able to consider... You know, if you've got a lot of people considering um, pollution issues, a lot of people considering noise issues, then we can stack them together. If so we put those in blocks, then you could have your question can, block afterwards can, yeah, to go through can, the whole thing. If we can. The thought. But there is an obligation, but some, offers, some people will be coming and want to, to talk about lots of issues around those, and we just need to budget for those as well. But Lemon, and then Councillor Chambers. 
Thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, I've, I'm not very happy with having three sessions in one day. I think it would be better to spread the public um, sessions over two days. I think three yeah, sessions think for us is too much in one day. <coughs> I'll come back to that in a minute again. Okay, uh, Councillor Chambers. No, I'm, I'm with you because we're looking at the length of the day. Okay, Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, my, my only worry was um, uh, when you're talking about First of all, Mr Brown said we will be here to listen to what's being said. Of course we will. That's the whole point of it. Once you start to open it for questions on that, your 60 speakers or what have you will get down to about 10, I should think, because by the time the officers have actually given the reasons why or, or answered the question, that, that will, you'll have to give a lot more time. I, I, I don't want to, please no, don't, I don't I, want to subdue the, the discussion. I, I get where you're going with this. So it may be that we, um, I'll listen to everybody's comments, but I think what I'm going to propose is that we actually take this away and come back with a, or we think through how we're going to do this as a format, because I think it just needs a little bit more thought um, rather than just blundering into it. No disrespect, men. No, we're not blundering into it, and I totally no. agree with you. And I think the fact that this has been raised and members have had a chance to discuss this, but speaking up the very early point, it is this committee that will make that decision, and that's why it's this committee needs to be involved in, in how it's going to be framed in terms of how you're going to get the information. So, okay. we can uh, do that. Councillor Fairhurst, and then I'll come back to you, Mark. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I think we all agree this is a very substantial application and it needs to get done. I think we all agree that we're, we're all on agreement at that point. Um, I think also we agree that it, this must be handled by this, this committee, duly constituted, and all that that implies. Uh, so I would certainly support strongly what Council Chairman says about you being the chairman. Let's not deviate from things like that to give us our legitimacy in the first place. But I think, and this has been an interesting discussion in itself, I think the guiding light for us should rather be not how can we squeeze as many questions as possible and as much information as possible to be efficient, but rather take as long as it needs to take. Um, at the end of the day, the public are entitled to answers to their questions. That's the whole point. If we get it done and, and people feel they haven't had a voice, we haven't been heard, we haven't had questions answered, we've actually not got it done at all. We've failed. Um, I think our, 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 our timetable, our, our, our programme, whatever we ultimately arrive at, should be driven by demand and should be flexible. So I think it's, it's a mistake and perhaps, perhaps a bit narrow limiting for us to say three modules or two modules or three days. Rather, let's call for questions. Let's find out what the quantum is. Absolutely. If there are 200 people... Nobody's talking about limiting the, the ability uh, for the, the public is, to speak I, you know, if, there, if there are 200 people who want answers to questions, let's have a forum that does engage. And, uh, and we shouldn't, I think, even try to predetermine the amount of time it's going to take. Um, we don't want to finish this and take a decision here and feel that there's some people out there whose voices, credible voices, haven't been heard. I think it's really important. Bearing in mind, at the end of the day, we have three outcomes. We can accept as it stands with conditions, we can reject it, or we can defer it. And deferring means here we go again. So let's not here we go again. Let's just let everyone have a chance to hear <coughs> things first. Okay. You know, I, I think... Um, I think that because this is the first time we've all discussed it and it's obvious that there's some issues with how we do this, I'm going to take this away, sort out something with Mr Brown and come back to you all and say, right, this is what we propose to do. And taking your point very much on the chin that, yeah, we make sure that everybody speaks. Conversely, one thing I do want to make clear, I don't want to open up the opportunity that for any 
application we go through this process because straight away we've basically then we might as well not be doing what we're doing if you see what I mean there is a process that exists we're going to take this as an exception going forward but not the norm okay so therefore we just set up the parameters that we're all comfortable with officers are comfortable with it and then we'll come back to you all with something within a couple of weeks or as soon as possible right, as soon as we Sorry, the yeah. latest it will be will be planning committee on the 1st of August. But yeah, that will be the latest. Get, if we get something sorted before I'll, then, I'll try and thrash something out with everybody before that. Councillor yeah. Lachlan. Thank you. I just want to ask a question. Uh, last time we had children coming along, sitting on their parents' laps, saying, please don't build an airport. Uh, you know, and it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with children. I had three myself. Sometimes wish I hadn't, but I did. And um, I just wondered if we're going to have an age limit. I don't know how to put it without sounding offensive. I don't mean it to. Um, but are we going to stick to reasonable or emotional uh, question? I think that's what I'm trying to say. Mr. Brown. <laughs> I just much as... Thanks a lot for that one. I don't think we can. I think, to be honest with you, we need to control it histrionics and, and drama and stuff like that but if if you know there is ultimately um if a if a 12 year old wants to come and speak in this meeting oh, I they, mean 12 years yeah i know but that's yeah, years. <laughs> yeah so i mean okay we we i mean we's if someone wants to come along and they just happen to have a child on their knee then yeah, we can't really do anything about that i take your point i take your we, point we, but you know, we'll have to but we're all, I think members are all ugly enough, old enough and ugly enough to realise that the, you know, that's not necessarily... Right, speak speaking yourself. of old yeah. enough and ugly enough, <laughs> Councillor Chambers? Just, just, I, I agree with what's been said, Mr Chairman. It's just to say that uh, I'm totally in agreement with you going away and looking at when we can do it and, and putting forward a suggestion. But please get the dates out as soon as you possibly can. We, because we, as soon as you we, get them out, yeah, then I, I know. Get, make sure that... No, no, I, I mean... I, <laughs> We've been moved because of information requests by the officers and everything else that you're yep. aware of is going on. So it's the right thing for them to do. That information has to be supplied. That means we're still dealing with a moving feast. So, so long as we all accept that. What I will do is an email, get everything out to everybody saying these are the proposed dates that we currently understand. Okay, Councillor Lemon. Yes, just to go back, if, if the demand is there, if we feel that the demand is there, to spread it over two days. I think that would be a good idea. If the demand isn't there, I'm quite happy not to. But I don't feel that, as a councillor, I want to be rushed and have so many people speaking to me on one day that I, I can't I think take we, it look, in. For so once, if this if whole there is enough demand, please spread it over no, for three days. We are all in agreement that we will hopefully make the right rational decision. Thank okay? you. And with that, I'm going to park that one. Okay? Thank you very much, everybody, for your attendance and we will see that item come back up next time. Thank you very much. Chairman, point of order, are we supposed to vote on the decision or not? Or do not? It did say decision. No. There's no recommendation. There's no recommendation. Uh, okay, but the resolution will, will be... Will... Chairman, I haven't got many dates yet in September, so... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. We no, 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 I think, I think Hamilton went about questions. It's spot on. He is right, yeah, okay. because it did that.